Open your Bibles to Isaiah 43. Isaiah 43. We have been going through the Gospel of John, and we will get back to the Gospel of John. We took a break for Advent season, the coming of our Lord, the arriving of our Lord, to focus on Christmas. Went through Luke chapter 1 together over those weeks. And then Christmas Eve, for those of you who were able to be here, we read through the Christmas story together. And now we have this last Sunday before the new year. And as I prayed to the Lord, and I said, should we jump right back into Luke? And the Lord said, not quite yet. We need to spend some time talking about what's in, apparently, Isaiah 43. So the first thing, as you've opened your Bibles, that I want to do, if you are willing to do this with me, is with the holiday season and everything that's gone on, let's just take a breath. I mean, just a big, if you're willing and able, fill your lungs with a big... Sorry, coach. (laughs) Good try. (laughs) Many of you know we've been overseas for a lot of years, and this is our second Christmas back, and I cannot believe how busy it is. This time of year is so unbelievably busy, and the stress level, at least it seems for so many of us, is pretty high. And it's a time of year to be rejoicing in the one who comes to take our burdens away. Maybe that wasn't the case for you, but everywhere it seemed, at least in our lives, and that I looked, it was just a crazy time. And it's fun, and you spend time with family, and we do things as a church family. But going into the new year, what I'm hoping for today, what I'm asking for God to do today is I want Him to show you, to show us His love that He has for His chosen people. Okay, So we're talking about, obviously this is Isaiah, we're talking Old Testament here, and we're talking about Israel. You heard that during the reading time. Israel, Jacob, what's going on? How's that really going to even apply to us? Well, remember, God's chosen people, the people of Israel, If you are a believer in Christ now, you are also part of God's chosen people. So these truths that are here are certainly for the people of Israel. But again, Paul actually tells us that all who are of Israel actually aren't true Israel. It's those who have faith like Abraham or those who are true Israel. So they had faith. Abraham Abraham had faith. In the coming Messiah, in the Lord, what had been revealed to them, we have faith in Christ. And so I think that these things will apply to us because it's also important to remember that if God doesn't hold His Word to the things that He said in the past, then He wouldn't hold it to the things in the future. We don't have to trust Him. We should all go eat right now and we shouldn't even be here. But the thing is, He always does what He says. He always keeps His promises. And thus we can trust when He tells us things. So real quick, I need to give a a brief history lesson to set your context for you today. Adam and Eve, you know that they eat from the tree, they fall, separated from God, sin enters the world, death, they have children, Cain kills Abel, things are getting out of control a bit, get to the time of Noah, God says, all right, we're going to hit the reset button on this thing, wipes out everybody but Noah and his kin. From there, we see that he ends up calling Abraham. 
He makes promises to Abraham. He says, I'm going to bless you from all the nations are going to follow me because of you. I'm going to bless you. Abraham's old. He doesn't have any kids. He says, don't worry, I'll take care of that. And we see Isaac come along. We see Jacob and the same promises that are for Abraham, are for Isaac, are for Jacob. We see Jacob wrestles with God and we see Jacob's name gets changed to Israel. We see that he has a whole bunch of kids. And because God is sovereign and working, He takes all the Israelites to Egypt. For 400 years, they're there. Then He raises up someone named Moses who takes them out, leads them out of Israel or out of Egypt. Ultimately, the Lord's doing that, but He takes Moses. He leads them out. They wander around for a while. They don't obey God completely, so they've got to wander around. Then Joshua comes and they enter the promised land and it could be great. They would have fully listened to God, but they didn't and they didn't get rid of the people they were supposed to. They didn't fully take possession of that. So then judges were raised up to help rule. But then Israel says, we need a king. And God says, no, I'm your king. No, 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 but we need a king. So we see Saul enter the picture briefly. David, then David's son, Good, you're paying attention. United kingdom under those kings. But then, as they did not train up their children as the way they should have, the kingdom splits. You have the northern and the southern kingdom. Ten of the tribes to the north, two to the south. The northern kingdom ends up falling because they disobeyed God to the Assyrians. 722 then the southern kingdom eventually falls as well to the Babylonians. Why are we getting all that? Because we need to know when when Isaiah is writing. Isaiah is writing a little bit around the time after the fall of the first kingdom, the northern kingdom, but before the second, before the southern kingdom falls. That's your context. Okay? Tracking so far? (laughs) We got a lot to cover today. Let's jump into this. In, in chapter 42, Isaiah is writing, and the Lord says to them, Israel, you have failed. You have failed. You keep worshiping false gods. You will not follow me. You will not do what I tell you to do. You keep going the other direction. Question real quick. Do any of you ever feel that way that that's you? God says, do this. And you're like, yes, I'm going to do it. And then you don't. He is a patient and loving God. And that's what we see but that comes up in 43 here. He even says that he's brought discipline on Israel, the fall of the first kingdom, the northern kingdom. I brought this discipline and you still don't get it. Word didn't spread. You're not understanding. So now let's go into 43. Verse 1. But now thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, He who formed you, O Israel. So now the Lord's saying, You didn't get it, but here's now what I'm going to say to you. And he reminds them right away, and I'm reminding you this morning, it is the Lord who has created you. Just like he created Jacob, just like he turned Jacob to Israel, he formed them as a people, he has formed us as a people. He's reminding them and reminding us who he is, what he's done. And he says, fear not, even though you don't follow, even though you guys sometimes don't get it, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. 
I have called you by name, and you are mine. The Creator of the universe, the one that we sin against, says, I have called you by name, and you are mine. If you are in Christ, you're this new creation. And what's interesting is in 1 Corinthians 6, Paul's talking about the, the Holy Spirit living inside of us and the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what he talks about is he says, ultimately he's saying, you know what? You're not your own. If you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, you're not your own. Your life is not yours to do with whatever you please. You've been bought with a price. The precious blood of Christ. And so... Unfortunately, in all cultures, but especially this one, it's your life. Do what you want with it. You've been bought by the precious blood of Christ. You are God's. You have been created for Him. You're created for Him. You are His. So when you decide, when you make decisions about what you're going to do with your life, if it's not related to, hey, Dad, what do you want from, from me? What should I be doing with my life? The decisions you make each day in your life. The jobs you have. The places you move. The stuff that you're doing. Ultimately, it's, Dad, is this good? And if it's not, then you're missing the point. You are not created for yourself. You've been created for God. To worship Him. To give Him glory. To rejoice in Him. But He says, fear not. I have redeemed you. We talked about this on Wednesday night. Redeemed you from sin. From death. From the consequences of sin, from shame, from guilt. I've redeemed you from all of that. Why would he do that? Because he loves you. Because he's a merciful God. Because he knows, let me redeem you from everything so you can enjoy me forever, he says. Because what I'm offering to you, God says, you can't get it anywhere else. What I've got, oh, nothing compares. And the problem is we have trouble believing that sometimes. Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. Don't think for a moment that God doesn't know you personally. I want you to see the personal love of God here. He knows you by name. He knows the amount of hairs on your head. He has created you for Himself. And when we're walking in that, when we're praising Him, when we're worshiping Him, when we're in communion with Him, when we're enjoying Him, then you are doing what you've been made to do. When you're not, guess what? Life is bad. Now, I'm not talking about your circumstances around you. I'm talking about this stuff in here. Peace. Joy. Purpose. If you've been created for a purpose and you're not being used for that purpose, guess what? It doesn't go well. Listen to what he says. Verse 2. This love, you're mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Notice he doesn't say that the waters aren't going to necessarily be there. There aren't going to be rivers. He says, when you do it, I'll be with you. They will not overwhelm you. When I just set the context of the passage, that should remind you of when they left Egypt. The parting of the Red Sea passing through. God was with them. Doesn't mean the waters weren't right there. They didn't overwhelm them because God was with them. Listen, when you walk through the fire, does that mean the fire is going to be gone? No. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. The flame shall not consume you. It doesn't mean the fire won't be there. It means it will not overtake you because your God is with you because He's created you 
for Himself. He loves you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, and look, your Savior. He'll later explain that there's no other Savior but Him. But why is it that we constantly try to go to other things as a Savior to deliver us from what we're dealing with? He is all you need. Do you understand that? He, you can be fulfilled in God, in Christ. You don't need, well, I need, oh, I'm going to need this. I'm going to need to go see this person and talk and get their opinion because I'm really not sure. If God knows what I, what I really need, can I trust Him? I'm not sure. Anything you need, He will provide for you. Anything you need, He will provide for you. And guess what? If you don't have it, guess what? You don't need it. If you don't have it, you don't need it. He's a good dad who loves you. I feel compelled to ask in my spirit, how would you answer this question? Is Jesus enough? Is Jesus enough for you? Because if He's not, then you don't get it. If He's not enough, then you're missing the point. He's enough. We don't need anything else. If we have Him, you have everything. Now, He graciously gives us more than that. He gives us each other. He gives us our blessings, our homes, food, cars, whatever. He gives us all these other things. You have all you need in Christ. Is He enough for you? Notice He continues to talk here in 3. I give Egypt as your ransom. Cush and Seba as in exchange for you. He's going back. Isaiah is remembering back again to the time of Moses when they were delivered. Think about it. God literally destroyed the Egyptians for His chosen people. He destroyed them for His people. That's what He's saying. I will destroy people for you. I love you. Because I've created you for my glory. There's no one's going to against you. What are you worried about? I've got this. These other places up by the Red Sea? Nothing. You, you, I love you. I've chosen you. I've done this great thing. I've called you by your name. You are mine. Not convinced? Good, let's continue. Look at this, verse 4. How about hear this every morning? Just think about this. Recite this. Here's what God says to you. Why will I exchange other peoples for you? Why? Because you are precious in my eyes and honored, and I love you. If you ever question for a moment, does God love me? The Scripture's telling you right now, I love you. He says, I love you. You're precious. There are times that you don't feel very precious to other people. There are times, I'm I'm not really good. I'm not worth much. I really don't have anything to add. The creator of the universe, the one who has formed you, the one who has made you says, you are precious to me. If you listen to what Jamie read this morning, if you're paying attention, and God sings over you. But those people don't like me. So what? But my boss is being difficult. Okay. What does it matter? Your creator loves you. You are precious to him. You are honored. He sings over you. I give, continue on, I give men in return for you. 
peoples in exchange for your life. There's one in particular that He gave in exchange for your life. His own Son. Don't miss that. Don't miss that He would love you so much He would say, Son, go and take on all the sin and the shame and the guilt for them. That's a love right there. And as we talked about in Sunday school this morning, that same love that Christ has, and He says, yeah, Dad, I'll do it. I'll go. Because obeying you is what I want to do. That's the plan. And so He comes and He does it. And then He says, hey, this way that I've loved you, love one another that way. Mind-blowing. Let's continue. Again, going with this idea, fear not! Don't be fearful. Don't be fearful of what's coming in 2019 or the things that are happening right now. For some reason, it seems this time of the year is not only busy, there's just a lot of hard stuff. Fear not for what? What's it say? Tell me. It doesn't mean you're going to get out of these situations. He's saying, don't worry, I'm with you. I'm with you. And look, I love this. I will bring your offspring from the east and from the west I will gather you. I will say to the north, give up. And to the south, do not withhold. Bring my sons from afar, my daughters from the end of the earth. Guess what? The promises He made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that He's going to gather all tribes, tongues, and nations are going to come and worship Him. He's saying, don't worry. They're all coming. I'm going to bring them all. I'm going to gather them all in. They're going to hear the message. They're going to respond in faith. It's going to be wonderful. And then we see at the end, Of the Scriptures, we see in Revelation, what? A multitude of every tribe, tongue, and nation. Things He's saying hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago from us, we know are one day going to come true. And we're starting to see it as people are coming to faith from every tribe, tongue, and nation. He's got a plan. Don't think for a second there's not a plan. And some of you who are planners are like, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! I'm glad there's a plan. Those of us who aren't really big on plans are like, Really? A plan? Cool. There's a plan. He's got you. He's got this. It's okay. He loves you. He's redeemed you. Look at this. Ah, Verse 7. This is incredible. Look at this. Everyone who is called by My name, whom I, re- I created for My glory whom I formed and made. He's calling everyone from all tribes, tongues, and nations that He created. Why? What did it say? Why did He create you? For His what? Say it one more time. Why did He create you? His glory. Like, yeah, it's for your good, certainly, for you to worship Him, enjoy Him forever. No doubt. Don't miss that. But don't miss this. He's saying here, I've created you for My glory. You're to be living a life that glorifies Me. And all that you do, glorify the Lord, right? Why? Because you've been created for His glory. So here's the question, folks. Look back at 2018. How much in there was for His glory? As we're thinking forward, and we're going to move forward individually, as a church, we're thinking forward. What am I doing? What am I thinking? What am I planning that's for His glory? Or is it for your own glory? Sometimes I feel like, especially a struggle of mine, is not to put things in compartments. 
Oh, I do a lot of things for His glory. Sunday morning. Wednesday night. I come. That's when I'm focused on His glory. And then, step out. Alright, let's get back to life now. We've got this, we've got that, we've got this. That doesn't mean life stops. What I'm saying is, everything we're doing should be glorifying the Lord. That's what you're created for. So if it's not, if you're not glorifying the Lord with your life, if you're not even asking the question, does this bring you glory? Do you want me doing this, Dad? Then my encouragement would be for 2019, let's change. Let's change this. Let's do something a little bit different. Let's not do the same thing over and over again. Let's ask Him, what do you have for me? This life is nothing but a vapor, Lord. I want to serve you. I know what you've created me for. It's for your glory. What is that to look like in my life personally? It's to be a part of a body of believers somewhere. If it's not here, then be faithful to a body of believers. That's easy. That's a, something all of us can do. Okay? Love your families. Love your wives. Love your children. Love your husbands. All these things. There's so many things that are clear in Scripture that bring Him glory. One of the greatest ways we bring glory, again, going back to Sunday school this morning, was when we love one another. That brings Him glory. When we pray to Him. The youth were studying a little bit of that this morning. Prayer. When we cry out to Him and say, Dad, I don't know what to do. What should I do? We're glorifying Him. We're saying, you know what's best. That gives Him glory. But when we say, "Eh, prayer, I'll get to it at some point. I got this. No. That's not giving Him glory. The ways He's blessed us, the gifts, the talents you have, are you using it for His glory or just for your own good? What's interesting is, as we do it unto the Lord, as we glorify Him, as we function this way, as we love one another, as we do all these things, great joy comes. Great peace, great purpose comes when we do these things. Everyone who is called by my name, who I created for my glory, whom I formed and made. And he says, now, bring out the people who are blind, yet have eyes. Who are deaf, yet they have ears. All the nations gather together and the peoples assemble. Who among them can declare this and show us the former things? Let them bring their witnesses to prove them right and let them hear and say it is true. You know what God is saying? Let all the nations come. Everybody come and you tell me that I'm wrong. Hold on, that's what the Lord's saying. Tell me I'm wrong. Come on and testify. And He's not even saying, oh, would you do that? He's saying, come, command, come, testify against me. Tell me I'm wrong. You think the Lord is scared? (laughs) He knows what they're going to say. There's nothing they can say. He's the Holy One of Israel. He's the one who's created everything. Come on out. Say what you have to say against me. No problem. I got no issue with that. Come. Because then he says to his people, You are my witnesses, declares the Lord. And my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe in me and understand that I am he. Now, watch this. We're going to read through this. Watch all this times that, he, that God says, I, me, or my. Okay? He's going to make it clear real quick to everybody who's in charge. Watch this. You are my witnesses, declares the Lord, my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me, no God was formed, nor shall there be any after me. I, I am the Lord, and besides me there is no Savior. You don't need anything else to save you. You don't need someone else to save you. I declared and saved and proclaimed 
when there was no strange gods, God among you. And you are my witnesses, declares the Lord, and I am God. Also henceforth, I am He. There is no one who can deliver from my hand. I work and who can turn it back? You hear what he's saying there? When I work, no one goes against me. There's a, there's a lie out there right now. that w- You'll hear this phrasing sometimes. Well, the biggest threat to Christianity is fill in the blank. Or the, the biggest threat today to the church is this. There's no threat to the church. You know what Jesus says about his church and how he's going to build it? You know what he says that can't stand against it? Someone help me out. Does anyone know? The gates of hell cannot stand against it. He's sovereign. He does what he pleases. Who can turn against him? No, 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 no. There's no, oh gosh, God's not up there. What's going to happen? It's going to overcome my church? No. Don't buy into that. He is the sovereign Lord. And he is building his church. And he is working in great ways inside all of us. Almost finished here. Thus says the Lord, again, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake I send to Babylon. Now this is interesting. This hasn't happened yet. You got, some of you remember when we went through Habakkuk. We talked about how he came and was prophesying about these evil people who were going to come and destroy. Yeah, this is probably maybe 100, 150 years before that. That's why a lot of scholars don't like this book. They're like, uh, this had to be written after that time. There's no way they could have this information. Why is a prophet? It's kind of the point. Anyway, for your sake I send to Babylon and bring them down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans and the ships in which they rejoice. He says, I'm going to bring them down. He's talking about the fall of Judah. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator, Israel, your King. He says, I'm going to bring them down and I'm going to destroy them too. I'm going to use them and then I'm going to destroy them like we saw with Habakkuk. Thus says the Lord, who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings forth chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise, they are extinguished, quenched like a wick. That's his enemies, gone. Now here's the, listen, listen, listen. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You ever been in the wilderness? You don't know where to go. It's so thick. You have no idea. You know what he says? I'm going to show you the way. In the desert, nothing. Here's rivers. He's going to take care of you. Here's what I want you to think about as we're finishing up. Yes, you can look back at 2018 and say, there were some things I'm not proud of some things that weren't great. Rejoice in the things that were. But here, it's time to put those things behind us and let's move forward to 2019 with the paths that he has. In the desert, let's follow him. In the thick forest, let's look for his path. Let's be faithful starting now in all things that we can. Don't beat yourself up about things in the past. Realize he's a gracious God who loves you who's called you, who sings over you. He's made you for his glory. Say, I don't even, not only 2018, I don't know if I've ever been living for his glory. That's okay. His mercies are new. He's saying, do it now. Let's do that together. He says, the wild beasts will honor me and the jackals and the ostriches 
For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. Here we go, last verse. The people whom I formed for myself that they might declare my praise. He has formed us for Himself. It's for His glory. It's for our good, but it's for His glory. And here's what your job is in 2019. Declare His praise. Tell everybody you can about how glorious your God is. Proclaim to everybody you can. He is incredible. He creates rivers in the desert. He restores your soul. He redeems you. On the back of your notes, you'll see, as we apply this, you'll see a slot, spiritual goals for 2019. I want to encourage you to actually pray over this, and let's make some changes together. If you've never read through the Bible in a year, let's do it. I'll do it with you. We can read together through the Word of God. Maybe prayer. I've never really been a big prayer. Commit to something. Be specific. And have other people help you with it. Say, hey, just so you know, I want to pray every day at 3 o'clock. Will you ask me? And then her job is to ask you, how did praying go today? Let's help each other do this. Whatever God would put on your heart for you in 2019. doesn't have to be three things. It could be ten things. It could be one thing. Whatever it is, do that. And let's do that together. He's doing something new in our lives, in our church. He's done great things in the past, but He's doing more things and new things. Let's rejoice in that. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for the fact that when we were not a people, You have made us a people. Lord, that You have redeemed us. Through Jesus' death on the cross, His sacrificial death, And after three days, He rose for our justification. And it's because of that that we can have this relationship with You, Lord, and we can actually, truly be called Yours because Jesus has paid that and made that way for us. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters who are in here. I pray that You would encourage them, Lord. I pray that they would just bask in the fact that You have created them for Your glory. That You have loved them you call them by name, that you sing over them, that you rejoice in them. Lord, I pray that they would feel that and see that today in a new way. And the response from that would be that they want to love and proclaim your goodness to everybody. And they want to spend time with you in your word and truly hear from you. And they want to talk with you in prayer. And they want to sit still in silence and solitude. They want to fast from objects or food so they can know what it's like to crave you more and more. Thank you for our family here that we can do this together. Help us to do this together. Lord, for those who may be in here who say, I've never lived for God's glory. I don't even know what it means to follow Jesus. I'm just so confused. Lord, I pray that you would make it clear to them and they would respond in faith today and become a believer and be saved from the wrath to come. Lord, we love you. Show us how to respond, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.